Amen. Greet you once again this morning in the precious name of Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior of the world. Amen. Praise God that we can once again come together in the house of the Lord, <clears throat> worship our God and our Savior. Praise God. This morning I'd like to have you turn with me to John chapter 14. It'll be the second part of the power of the Holy Ghost. Last Sunday we had a sermon on the first part and today we'll be on the second part two. Praise God. <clears throat> Maybe we can stand and we'll have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you this morning for loving us. We thank you that we can come to you in Jesus' precious and wonderful name. Father, we praise you, we love you, we worship you. and We thank you this day for your word and your spirit. We thank you for your presence, Father God. We thank you, Lord, for your word that is powerful, that is sharper than a two-edged sword, Lord. Father, today we pray that you would continue to be with us. Bless us, Lord God. You would lead us, Father. Fill, fill our hearts and our souls and our hearts and our minds, Lord, with your love and your mercy and your grace, your Holy Spirit. I pray, Father, you pour out a blessing from the throne room of God upon us here, Lord. I pray, Father, my mind, you would anoint my mind and my heart and my lips. And, Lord, I pray you'd anoint the ears that hear and that the hearts would be prepared. And, Lord, that we would catch the importance of that power of the Holy Spirit that comes through the born-again experience through Jesus Christ. Father, today I pray that you keep us safe, keep us in your care. And, Lord, I just thank you that you're a faithful God, that you hear the cries of your people Father, you protect your people. You are with your people. And Father, we thank you today for loving us and for forgiving us, for sending a Savior, your Son. Father, today that we are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb that was shed at Calvary. Be with us now, Lord. Guide us and bless us, Lord, with your presence, your power, and your glory. In Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You Continue to stand for the reading of the Word. We'll start reading in verse 12 of John chapter 14. He said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do. He said, Because I go unto the Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If ye love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments, and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. He that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. Judas saith unto him, Not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us, and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which ye hear is not mine, 
but the fathers which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If ye love me, ye would rejoice, because I said, I go unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it come to pass, that when it, come, when it is come to pass, ye might believe. Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so do I. Arise, let us go hence. You may be seated. <clears throat> Amen. Praise God. We see this morning this relationship. Jesus Christ, as he was speaking, most of the words we read today in this chapter was of the words of Jesus. And we see that what Jesus is bringing out is that connection with the Father that he had, and that is the connection we have with the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit. And that's what we want to talk about today is what our lives are full of. <clears throat> we see that the last time we touched on, we talked on the scriptures of Acts chapter uh, 2 and, and quite a few others as well. And I remember asking the questions, what is your life full of? And what does your life look like? And are you filled with the Holy Ghost? So we see that what John is saying here, if we were to start at reading... A few verses before that, in verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, No man cometh unto me except unto the Father except by me. And then further down, he said, in verse 9, he said, Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? I thought that's a very good question to ask ourselves. So how can a person get born again and proclaim to know Jesus but don't really know him? That is what Jesus is saying to Philip. He said, look at this. I've been such a long time with you, but yet you, you don't really know me, he said. He that has seen me has seen the Father, and how sayest thou then? Show us the Father. It's basically like Christian people saying, I'm born again, I'm a Christian, but at the same time, they, don't, they act like they have very little knowledge. They, the, the, the works and, and the fruits for what they produce is very much the opposite of the Spirit of God. That is what Jesus is saying here to Philip. It's like, wait a minute, I've been with you so long. So Jesus is saying, I have saved you how many years? And you're still asking, who are you? What is that about? What does that matter? Everybody else does it. That's not a good relationship with Jesus. That's a relationship with you and the world himself or with you and your friends. With Jesus Christ. That's why it's so important we have the second. I had actually, I had no plans of doing the second one. Until last night, the Lord gave me this. 
And I'm like, oh, that's real good. Because now it is to see what does it do when we are filled with the Holy Spirit? How do we live? What does it look like? How do we react in life? How do we actually act in life? When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, well, number one, let's back up and talk a little bit about, so when we get born again, we receive the Spirit of God. Amen? That's part of the born again experience is the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within us. I think I, I mentioned that last week because sometimes people get it mixed up if they, if they don't have the understanding of when we talk about the filling of the Holy Spirit. Like I was reading on a... I was reading something on some pastor that was preaching, and, and, and you know, he has different ways of thinking about that. But that's why I don't like when, when we have maybe some misinterpretation as far as when you get born again, you receive that Holy Spirit. What, my, what the sermon was about last Sunday was about receiving the filling of the Holy Spirit. That is the difference. It doesn't mean you don't have the Holy Spirit. I heard, I heard somebody say they said that, Sometimes people are filled with the Holy Spirit and they just don't know it. I say that's not true. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you know it. Why? Because it's, it's a victory. It's, a, it's just a whole different lifestyle. You know when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Even if you don't speak in other tongues. You don't have to speak in other tongues. You may, you may not. But the thing is, when you're filled... You look at the things of God in the sense the way He does. You have victory in life. It doesn't mean you never have something go wrong. You never fall into sin. But what it means, you hate sin. You don't live in sin. You don't enjoy sin. You hate the things that God hates. You love the things that God loves. That's, that's what it matters right there. When you're in love with God, you listen to Him. You obey that still, small voice. You obey the Holy Spirit ministering. You do those things. Like He says in Matthew 6, I think it is, in 33, He said, First seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Then what happens? Then all these things will be added unto you. The things that we have need of. God watches out for His people. He looks over them. And, and He... It's the, you know, when you look at the Holy Spirit within us, it's the power of the believers. It's that power that is in us. It's that power that comes from, from the Holy Spirit that dwells within us and it comes out through us and it ministers to others around us. Why do people come to the home? Maybe people come to your home and, and I'm talking about maybe even those that aren't born again and they come. Something we've noticed when people come, sometimes when we take them in, and they're not born again, and they're hurt, and, you know, all these problems, they come, and they're just, one of the first things they'll say, they're just, uh, so we'll say, well, have a seat, you know, and so maybe they sit on the couch, and first thing you know, they're just looking around, and then they say, oh, it's so peaceful here. You know why? Because God is here. That is why. That's the difference. It's Him that makes that difference. When you and I sell out to Him, guess where He's going to be? with you. <laughs> it's Praise God. Amen. He is with us wherever we go. He looks out for us. And that is what, that is his business. That is what Jesus is talking here about the comforter. Look what he said in verse 12. He said, he that believeth on me that the works that I do shall he do also and even greater works, he's saying. 
This is people that love God. This is people that are filled with the Holy Spirit. This is people that have the Holy Spirit in the heart. This is not people that are not born again. People that aren't born again are not going to do the works of God. People that are not born again aren't going to do greater things than that. They're not going to do that. Why? Because they don't have the power of God. It doesn't mean God doesn't love them, but they don't have the power of God. He said in verse 14, if ye shall ask anything in my name, he said, I will do it. That's the kind of power you have today. It's the power of God that is within you. It's not your power. It's the power that he has brought in. That is the power. He is the one. He said in verse 21, he that hath my commandments, he keepeth them. That is the power of God. The power of God gives you the ability to keep the commandments of God, to walk in the spirit of God, to walk in the newness of God. That is what, that is what the spirit of God does. He empowers us to be obedient, to love him, to stir up the love that is within us because what he has put there. It's the power of God. That's what he wants for us. Like he says in John 15, right across the page, look what he said. I had to think of verse 13 because of the weekend. I almost called Brother Mose and said, hey, Brother Mose, we could maybe share some on that. And then, then I decided it's okay. I'll just touch on it now. Greater love has no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends. Obviously, this is talking about Jesus, okay? It's okay. So we, this weekend, we celebrate Memorial Day tomorrow. And, you know, some people think it's all for these heroes that are alive. It really isn't. It really isn't. The reason we have a Memorial Day is for those that have given their lives and are gone. Their lives were sacrificed so that you and I can have freedom in this country. That is why it's called Memorial Day. I read something of one of my friends and it reminded me. He said this. He said, yeah, he said, people sent me messages and all this. He said, stop that. He said, you are, how did he call it? He said, that's almost like an insult to those that have served and have given their lives. He said, I'm alive, I'm well. Don't send me a message. He said, Memorial Day is not about me. Just because I served in the military, I thought that was a pretty good point. Memorial Day is, we celebrate that for those that have given their lives. And I had to think of that. What better way to celebrate and remember that Jesus has given his life for me. Amen? Amen. Just another step ahead of like Jesus, what he did. That's what he said here. There is no greater love. You know, people that go out there, how many of us husbands here today would not be willing. See, somebody would come, one to hurt one of our family, our wives or somebody. Every one of us, I believe, would say, wait a minute. We'll step out there. Why? Because we're willing. We're willing to give our life for our loved one, if that's what it takes. We're not going to stand back and say, hey, honey, why don't you go out and check it out? That's not how we do it. We're the ones that are called to the leadership. We're the ones... The husbands are the ones, the men, they're the ones that are called to lead out in the home. See, that's the difference. So we step up. That is what Jesus, remember, Jesus practices exactly what he preaches. He really does. He said, I am the light of the world. That's what he said. He said, I am the bread of life. Look at that. And that's who he is. It's very important that we are who we say we are. 
It's very important that we are that. Because Jesus left that example, but where I was going to read, where I was going to read, wait, I'm not sure where I was going to read. On oh, verse 10, he said of John 15, he said, If ye keep my commandments, he said, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Did you notice that Jesus is asking some of us, something of us, what he did, not something of us that he wasn't willing to do. I remember after I got born again, that became my theme for raising the children especially as I worked with the boys, is I did I, what I tried to practice. You hear that? I tried. What my goal was is that I would not ask them to do something that I was not willing to do myself because of the way I seen how Jesus lived his life. That was his goal. Jesus lived the example he wants us to do. He didn't come and give us all kinds of instruction and left. He came and lived that, and then he went to the Father. That's what he wanted. And I think that's a real good, that's a good thing to have in the home, dads, and even moms, that that's something that let's not ask our, it doesn't mean we, we can every time do it, but they know we would do it ourselves. They know that. They, they can see that you, you would do it. You wouldn't ask them to do something that you're not willing. Like say you ask them to be home at 10. Say you have a, a rule where uh, something that you want them to, well, what, is, what did we call it? Yeah, a curfew. Say you have a curfew. You wouldn't set that. So then I remember something that I asked myself. So one time we had a little sit-down. This is obviously on the sidetrack. We'll come back. So the challenge, they brought it up to me. They said, well, shouldn't we have a little room? You know, call it grace. Okay, I said, we'll give you 30 minutes grace. All right? But I said, that 30 minutes grace, that's it then. That's it. And it was fine that way. You know what i seen? <clears throat> I enjoy the grace of God very much. And also when people are gracious with me. Because sometimes it's hard to just be just cut and dry and everything perfect. So it's good to have a little bit of a grace period. And if you choose not to, that's just an example. It's up to you. But so many times what happens when you, when you do it, when you work it in that sense, you know, number one, God knows what your heart is. He knows that you want them to obey, not because out of control, but because of what the Bible says. So when they grow up and older so that they understand, sometimes guidance and instruction may not seem the greatest at the time. But remember, it will always help you if you can accept that. Even if you think at the time it's not important, later years you'll be like, boy, that really helped me. Because it brings self-discipline, it teaches that, and it brings also accountability, responsibility, respect, and the list goes on. It's very good, amen? And that's why the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, when He comes, He helps the parents to, to teach the children. And then when the children come along, they get born again, they see that. They see, well, the way Dad operates, that's very much, you can tell He's guided by the Holy Spirit. There's, there's more than just his self-confidence. It's about Jesus Christ. That, that's what he says here. He said, keep in my love, even as I've kept my Father's commandments in, in verse 10. And then in verse 11, he said, these things have I spoken unto you. Why? He said, that your joy, my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. 
This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Does, does it seem like that's much of a commandment? Do you really think about that commandment much? <clears throat> it's probably something we don't really talk a lot about that, hey, Jesus said to love one another as he has loved us. I don't think we hear it a whole lot. <clears throat> Can I have a little water, please? But if you think about it, it's an important thing. Jesus wants us to practice. So what's the easiest way of practice? Again, we're talking about what does the lifestyle look that is filled with the Spirit of God, that are people that are born again. He, remember, He's the comforter. He's the Spirit of truth. We read that in, in, verse, in chapter 14. He said, I will not leave, uh, he will not leave us comfortless. Remember that. He said, if we love him, he said, we will keep his word. These are things that God's people do. And then he said, the comforter is the Holy Ghost. That's what he said. And the next thing he said, he said, my peace I leave with you. Not as the world giveth unto you. Not that kind of peace. The peace of God that passes all understanding. See, the Holy Spirit gives the Christian people liberty. It gives us liberty and direction and guidance and protection. It, it gives us that. It, it, it's not about being Holy Spirit conscious. Thank you. It's about being Christ conscious. That's, that's why the Holy Spirit comes, is so that you and I actually are obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ himself, so that we obey his word, so that we understand his word. He teaches us from the inside out. And so that we can follow, that we can follow the direction of the Spirit of God. Amen? <clears throat> Look what he said in Romans. We're going to read a few uh, different chapters around. In Romans chapter 15, I'd like to read. <clears throat> Praise God. God is so good to his people. Amen? In Romans 15, in verse 13, look what he said. Now the God of hope fill you all with joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Where does it come from? Through the power of the Holy Ghost. There again, there it is. And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye are all full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Do you understand what admonishing means? Like, is that something you really enjoy? Do you enjoy when somebody admonishes you or you're like, none of your business? The reason I ask that, we live in a world that people want to do exactly what they want to do and they don't want to care what anybody else thinks. I had a Christian... I had a born-again believer tell me that some time ago, and I thought it was kind of just saying it. But later I learned that she meant it. You know what she said? She said, I'm going to do whatever I want to do, and I don't care what anybody thinks. And I, I just thought it's kind of a, you know, with a little smirk, and I thought, oh, it's just something to say. But later I realized that's true. That's really true. He said, nevertheless, in verse 15, Brethren, I have written the more boldly unto you in some sort has putting you in mind because of the grace that is given to me of God. 
that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> you know, when, when you say, like when we read things like this, that God wants us to be full with the Holy Spirit, like he said, with, he said to hope, to be filled with his hope, the joy and the love, so then we also should live in that sense. And when we live in that sense, we do care what others think. Sometimes we may make the remark that, you know, I don't care. And I think sometimes, especially from where we come from, some of the, some of the phrases we use, we don't even mean them the way they sound. I noticed that. And, uh, but if you look at that, we should still care we should love our brothers and sisters enough, I'm talking in the Lord, that we care a little bit what they think. But most of all, we really care what God thinks about it. We really care about that. You know, I, I really thank God. Just lately at a wedding, we're talking about testimonies and how people, you know, get born again and how sometimes they get persecuted and get hated from families and churches and just listening to all those kind of things. And I remember that night coming home. I, I shared with my wife, I said, you know, I'm very thankful we had to go through what we did when we got born again. I really am. Looking back, at the time it was very painful. It was actually kind of miserable. It was very hard. I told you, I think different times already, that for the first year and a half, it was a tough time. It was hard to say no. It was hard to accept the fact that our family cast us out. That's hard. But remember what the Bible says. He said at that time is when Jesus comes and picks us up. He's there for those that get thrown out of the families, get thrown out of the churches for his name's sake. He said we should leave for joy. <laughs> Glory to God. You know what I always said? I know what the scripture says. I just know it's hard to do sometimes. Yeah, it is. Sometimes it's hard to leap for joy when people are hating us. I don't know where I was going with that. <clears throat> oh, I said, I know where I was going now. So the thing that I said I was thinking about is it's so good. Because you know what, you know what I've, I've, I see from time to time? It doesn't, it's very little things that we do without praying about it. It doesn't matter if it business, what it is. That's why it takes lo me longer to make decisions in life than some of you. I believe that because I, I need to know where God is at with this. Why? I went, through, I went through some rough, rough times, and God taught me no matter how good, no matter how rough. Remember that, sign, uh, that, that song we sang this morning? No matter if it's a God, no matter we're on the mountain, no matter we're in the valley, He's the same God. He taught me that. There was more than one time where I found myself laying on the carpet weeping before God and pleading with Him. More than once. When you go through those times, you know that He knows. And He knows that you know. You know that. Even like I said at the time, it may not feel that good. But later you look back and you just say, thank you, Jesus, for being with me. Because what happens... When you go, I call it schooling. When you go through God's schooling, that is why I'm 100% convinced there's not a single pastor that has to go to the seminary. 
You do not. I don't care who you are. You can, but you do not have to. Because if you give God a chance, he will for sure teach you. He will for sure teach you. I will say that. I'm, I'm a witness to that. And you know what he does? He gives you just exactly what he knows you can take. He does that. No matter if you're going to seminary school through him or what it is. In life, that's what God does. You know why he knows the Holy Spirit dwells in you? He knows he's ministering. So he knows that you're just fine. Even when you're going through the fire, even when the times are tough, he wants to just take a little bit of that dross away. He wants to take a little bit of those rough edges off. He wants to purify you. He wants to stretch you because he has a plan for you. He has a good life, a plan for ahead of you. And he wants you to understand to just trust him. See, that? that's what he's saying. That's what he's saying here. That's what Paul said, I'm persuaded of you, brethren. See that? I'm persuaded today that every one of you, you know Jesus Christ. You know Him well enough that He even wants to get you to know Him more. Amen? In, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, a couple verses I want to read there. It is just so important that we realize and, and allow God... Allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us. Look, look what he said here. This is a little scary here. He said in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 13, look what he said. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. See, that's, it's so important that we're filled with the Spirit of God that we walk in the newness of life so you know when it's the devil himself. So you know. Look what he said. He even comes like, a, he comes like an angel of light and the devil says, oh, look at me. This, this is really what you need to be doing. And he's lying to you. But if you don't know God, you know what's going to happen? You're going to believe him. You're going to follow him. You're going to be deceived. You're going to believe things are not true. I want to encourage you today with something that God put on my heart. You know what he says? He said in the world today, we have a very Google happy world. I'd like the church to be a Bible happy church. Seek the word of God how you seek Google every day of the week. Seek the word of God for a change. Search it for yourself. Look at it. Study it. Instead of Googling as much, look at the Bible. For our spiritual life, we need it. We need it. That's what Jesus is saying so that we understand. There's also false apostles, deceitful workers, he said, transforming themselves into the apostles of God. Can you believe that? They're around us today, I believe it. They're around us. And then he said, don't be surprised, he said, Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Now that there to me is scary stuff. Satan himself, he wants to be an angel of light too. See that? Counterfeit, that's who he is. He wants to be that somebody he isn't. In Philippians chapter 2, want to read there yet? He said in verse 12, Philippians chapter 2, I love this, it's beautiful. He said in verse 12, 
Wherefore, my beloved, has ye have always obeyed. That's, isn't that, that's really neat what, what Paul writes here. He said, Wherefore, my beloved, has ye have always obeyed. He's talking to a Christian people that are faithful. He's talking to you today. But now, wait, not has in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do His good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in, this midst, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Holding forth the word of God, the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. What an encouragement. He even calls this place, he calls this world a crooked and perverse nation. I would say that's right on. Today it's so much, they, they use so much money and to buy each other out just to sway somebody, to make them think and to agree with them. And it's, it's, so, it's just so off the rocker what they do. And that's what he says there. He said that ye may be blameless, so that you and I are blameless and harmful, harmless like the sons of God without a rebuke, living in a crooked and perverse nation. That's you today. That's you today. Be obedient to the word of God. Look what he said. Shine has a light in this world. He said, hold forth the word of life. This is life, brothers and sisters. This word is life. Without this word, you and I wouldn't be brothers and sisters today. Amen? He said, holding forth. That is shining for him. Remember, the Holy Spirit that empowers you, gives you the power and the courage and the boldness to live that lifestyle, to walk in the newness of life, to live like you're a born-again believer, to think like you're a born-again believer, to act like you're a born-again believer. It's more than just saying it. It's to act like one, to live like one. <clears throat> Look what he said in Ephesians chapter 5. Very familiar passage. He said in verse 18 to 21. I'm going to start in verse 15. He said, See ye then that ye walk circumspectly. Look at that circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, he said, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is, and be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Look at that. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. That is, again, an example of a godly lifestyle, seeing that we walk circumspectly, redeeming the time. You know, I was thinking about that. I was thinking about how we live. And, and you think about like Abraham. Uh, lost the name of the other one. There's two, two people I was thinking about in the Bible that were some of the richest men we read about. But they were also the godliest men. 
See that? What I want to bring out, it doesn't matter how many things you have. It doesn't matter how rich you are in finances or things. It doesn't really matter. It's where your heart is at. That is really what matters. It's where we're at with Him. You can be poor. I'm going to tell you, being poor doesn't make you godly for nothing. Just as little as being rich makes you godly. Had nothing to do with it. You know what matters is that heart, when he's filled with the Spirit of God, the love of God, the power of God. It doesn't work for everyone. Maybe someone else can think of, I don't know why I'm blank with that, but anyway, I know Abraham, and there was one other one I was thinking of earlier. Yes, Solomon. Look at Solomon. <clears throat> look, look how he operated. Obviously, some of that wasn't good. But look at Abraham. And the reason I always remember Abraham is when I seen those angels, when God first spoke to me, before I was born again, my wife and I were praying that God would, if you're real, Lord, that you'd show something. We don't know what to do with all this stuff, you know, that we're listening and hearing. And the day that I seen those angels, and one of the things he told me that day, he said, if I take up the cross and follow him, he said, I'll bless you with the seed of Abraham. And obviously, I'll never forget that as long as I live. And when I think of that, Abraham, he was a blessed man. You all know that. We're offsprings of that when we become part of Jesus Christ. We see that. that. That is what he's saying. He wants us to realize, like he's saying here, redeeming the time. Why? Because the days are evil, brothers and sisters. We don't live in, we don't live in times that everything is just smooth going and, and lots of, you know, just a great time in this world. No, it's, it's actually kind of, there's bad times. But he said, he said, understanding what the will of the Lord is. And then he even brings up, he said, don't be drunk with wine, wherein is excess. But he said, be filled with the Spirit. See, there's people, this is something that the devil loves. There's people that are afraid to speak in tongues. And when they're filled with the Holy Spirit, they're afraid of that. But they're not afraid to get drunk and act like the devil himself. Can you explain that to me? I know you probably won't, but I'll explain it to you. Getting drunk and acting like the devil, that is of the devil. Getting filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues, that is of God. That's the difference. It's just that simple. But yet, people call themselves Christians. They're afraid about the filling of the Holy Spirit. They, they don't even believe in the Holy Spirit. How can you get born again without that? Just sharing. But then they believe it's okay to go and get drunk with alcohol and all that nonsense. Like he said in Proverbs 20, in verse 1, in NLT, he said, Wine produces mockers. That's what he said. And alcohol leads to brawls. And then he says, Those led astray by the drinks, he said, it's not wise. See that? Get filled with the Holy Ghost. That is wise. Get filled with that. Allow God to lead you. <clears throat> I want to close with Hebrews chapter 2. 
To walk in the Spirit, to walk by faith, brothers and sisters, it's so important. Teach it to your children, practice it. Remember, be Christ conscious. Be be conscious about what what Jesus would do. He said in in chapter 2 of Hebrews in verse 6, he said, but one in certain place testified, saying, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Wait, it's chapter 3. I got the wrong chapter. Chapter 3 and verse 6. But Christ has a son over his own house, whose house are we? If we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Wherefore has the Holy Ghost saith today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of the temptation in the wilderness. Remember, we read about the unbelief that the Israelites had. That's what he's reminding us about. He said, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works 40 days, uh, forty years, wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, they do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said, today if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. That's what Paul is bringing out. He said, listen, listen to what he said. He said, just remember, when you hear his voice, don't harden your heart against it. Exhort one another, he said, daily, reminding one another that God is the way. Jesus Christ is the way. He's the truth and the life. He said, no one will come to the Father except through him. He reminds us to hold fast of the confidence and the rejoicing in that hope that we have of Jesus Christ. And remember, it's because we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, living a lifestyle for Jesus Christ that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit of God, it's like a river. I I might even share it Wednesday night that flows through us and that makes such a difference in impacting others around us. Today, if you're born again and you you just really just, you just got born again so you're not going to hell, I'm going to tell you, you're missing out in many blessings. If you're just born again because you don't want to go to hell, But if you're born again because you love Jesus Christ, you're willing to be there for for the things that God has for you. If you want to have that, uh, obey the calling that God has in your life, if the gift that is within you, allow Him to stir it up. Maybe there's even sermons that are preached sometimes that the Holy Spirit will use and kind of prick your hearts and, and you say, well, what must I do? Remember that? In Acts, they said that when Peter and Paul, when they are preaching and sharing the gospel throughout the word of God, you see that. Sometimes people say, what must I do to be saved? Maybe today you're saying, well, Lord, what what would you have me to do? What is your will? Or are you so busy? Are you tied up? You say, well, that's really not an option. I got things going. I don't know. That's between you and him. 
But remember one thing, brothers and sisters. Being a Christian is more than telling others that you are a Christian person. Being a Christian is not about telling, it's not just about telling others that, oh, I'm born again, or I'm a Christian. Live like it, act like it. And remember, don't wait till you're 30 years old. Don't wait till you're getting a little older. When you're young, you want to act like a fool and things like that. Act like Jesus now, no matter the age. No matter if you're a young married man, a young married woman, no matter if you're 15 or 14 or doesn't matter the age. And maybe you're eight years old and you're seeking God and you're saying, Lord, I want to get saved. See, we, we have to throw out that age. We have to get rid of that. That's, a, that's such a mindset of the devil himself of the world. It's not of God. He's not looking about the age. He's looking about the heart. He sees our hearts and he, that's what he wants to work with. Today, if you're a young man, if you're a young woman, and you are born again, ask God what He wants you to do. Maybe He wants you to serve someplace in the church. Maybe He wants you just to go out and reach out to the community. Maybe He wants you to step up and share your testimony. Only God knows what He wants you to do. Amen? Be blessed. Be blessed. Be so blessed that you're too blessed to be stressed. Amen? Amen. God bless you.